welcome to the Elijah Fire podcast, where we jump into issues of today with faith and freedom instead of fear. And now here's your host, Jeff Tharp. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Elijah Fire episode 106. Man, I got to tell you, I mean, this week and next week, um, nothing against the week prior, nothing against the week after next week, but I'm just looking at the, this week and next week. That's kind of just what's in my immediate world. And it's just like, man, we got like, we got a powerhouse lineup. We had Josh on Monday talking all about, um, you know, the psychedelics and the dangers of psychedelics and um, an encounter that he shared. I mean, it's just really powerful. We're getting a lot of testimonies about that. And I think I've been hearing people saying like, Hey, I sent this to some loved ones who are actively in the throes of addiction right now. Um, and it's just, man, God is bringing so much healing through that guy's testimony. Um, and I just love his heart and his transparency. Um, and so yeah, if you haven't checked out episode one Oh five, uh, if you were like, I don't know about this, I would, I would encourage you to, to watch it. Um, it was really enlightening for me just in terms of the encounter he shared the spiritual, like in the spirit, what he saw in the spirit, um, that kind of got me into this point of like, Oh, so that's what happens when we, when we sin or when we do this, when we provide legal access to the enemy. So check it out. If you haven't, um, allow yourself to get uncomfortable, you know, just cause something makes you uncomfortable. Doesn't mean it's wrong. Um, so yeah, but it's also important to have discernment. Obviously it doesn't mean everything that's uncomfortable. Suddenly we're like, yeah, okay. That's all good. You, you guys know what I'm saying? Um, oh yeah. I didn't finish my, didn't finish my thought about the lineup of this week and next week. We got awesome people, obviously Krista today. We got Costin Woodhouse on Friday and Mandy Woodhouse's husband. It's going to be all about biblical literacy and, and all that. I mean, it's going to be so good. And just a reminder that that is at 3 p.m. Pacific time, 6 p.m. Eastern time, because homeboy is in Australia and I don't want him to wake up uh, at the crack of dawn. So uh, yeah, Friday's episode is going to be an hour later than normal. So um, keep that in mind. So uh, let's see what else. Um, I think methinks that is all. So yeah, my my voice or my voice. <laughs> I was reading prophetic voice and then I opened I just yeah, it just my brain is like that sometimes. My guest today. You guys know her well, but some of you don't. She's a prophetic voice, a very she's a prophet to the nations. She's got God has just given her some straight fire downloads. Um and uh we had a we touched on a bonus episode a couple of weeks back and talked about a, a fulfillment of a pro- prophetic word she gave a couple of years back. And um, that's doing a lot in, in her life and through her ministry. Uh, she's also the co-founder along with her husband, of the speak life project. And then she's also the founder of arise kingdom ministries. Let's give it up for my guest today. Krista Elisha. Hi. Hi. Welcome back for the inf- infinite, infinite, infinitieth time (laughs) yeah sorry guys i got a new camera that is like it's much better quality but yeah we're still right a little bit so we're gonna we got some ground to cover we were we were getting very passionate uh backstage uh as we do um and so there was something that was said last time you were on the show and um apparently some people got had questions or got offended by something mm-hmm. that you said that I 100% stand behind you on uh, because it's backed up by scripture. So 
there was something you said and you had mentioned that God is fem- God has feminine traits. Mm-hmm. And there were some people that were like, what, what, uh, say again, what is this? So before we get into this, there's something happening within the progressive Christian world right now. And it's a God, the mother movement. And it's basically taking God and saying that he's actually feminine. And some of the scriptures, I mean, honestly, what you have to do is just look up God, the mother in, in Google, and it will take you to their site. And it's just, you want to talk about taking scriptures out of context. Like this is like the definition of that. So we are not talking about God being God. We know that God identifies as male. He is God, the father. We, we've, that's all over scripture. So we're not saying, oh, we're also not saying he's asexual. Um, but there's some important things to address here. And you and I talked about this a little bit afterwards. I asked if you'd be willing to talk on this. So why don't you just jump in and then I'll kind of interject in certain areas. Yeah. So um, first of all, I'm I'm totally used to people being offended by me, um, which is fine. Um, me and too, gospel, an increasingly amount. Yeah. yeah you know, I mean, <laughs> the gospel is pretty offensive. And the the thing with this particular topic is that one, uh, you you cannot we cannot look at God through a humanistic lens. Okay, right. so God is not a human. God is God, and it's very clear. He he said that in the beginning he created man and woman in his image. Say uh, that one more time. Say it one more time. He created man and woman in his image. And so that must mean that God, because we know that he's a triune being, he's the father, he's son, and he's Holy Spirit. It, It must mean that God, the triune being, must, in order to make woman, must be fully masculine and fully feminine. And we are two fractions, you know, we're two halves of his total image, right? Right. And so um, that that's in the Bible. Some really interesting also illustrated in nature. I'm just saying exactly. Um, So because we are when we come together, that's when we become one flesh. That it's the mystery of the gospel and and oneness in marriage and oneness Mm -hmm. with Christ and back in him. And you also have to understand that God is a spirit. Mm -hmm. So, um, he doesn't have sex. Um, so like he's, he's spirit. It's which in the Hebrew it's Numa and that's actually a feminine noun. Mm. (laughs) So, uh, that's Hebrew now parakletos and which is the word for Holy spirit is um it's masculine in the greek but to use it as a masculine term would not be correct hmm. because it would be like saying um cuz the the noun would be like saying that a you know a book was masculine but i wouldn't call a book a hymn right, right? um god is is a being he's a spirit being mm-hmm. and so um, to say that he's only masculine totally denies, like, then where did we come from? Right. Because I yeah. am, 
I'm not a man. I am very yeah. clearly a woman. Right. And um, I, you know, I give birth to things. Um, and, you know, my my gender, my DNA says that I am a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, so where did I come from then? That That's contradictory to the creation account that, you know, if can a man, if we're made in his image, then where did women come from? So, but another really interesting thing that I discovered in this is that when God told Moses who he was, he said his name was, I am who I am in the burning bush account. Mm-hmm. And so it's a mixture of two B verbs and so in the Hebrew, without any specific reference to gender, it just simply means God is. He's the one who is and has always been. He mm. and um, but the word Yahweh is a combination of both masculine and feminine. Interesting. So Yah is uh the personal name of God. Yahweh is the personal name of God that he revealed to Moses in Exodus three. And so the first part of God's name in Hebrew, Yah is feminine. And the last part way is masculine. Mm, interesting. Which is very interesting. Yeah. Um, but God all throughout scripture speaking, even to prophets, he compares himself to, uh, to women or to mothers. And I have all of those verses, if you would like me to talk about them. You can give me a couple. You can give us a couple. Sure. Oh, it's also important to note that in Greek, um, the word for Holy Spirit translated as counselor, helper, comforter, advocate, the long one's that comes alongside the paracletus, although that, that that's a masculine term. Um, it's also the same word that they use for wife, hmm. which is very interesting. Yeah. So in Genesis one twenty seven, women and men were created in God's image. So humankind was created as God's reflection in the divine image of God who created them, female and male, God created them. Um, in Hosea, God is described as a mother, um, where he says, yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I who took them up in my arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with bands of love. I was to them like those who lift infants to their cheeks. I bent down to them and fed them. Um, another Hebrew name for God is El Shaddai, which mm-hmm. actually means the many breasted one. Yeah. And that is obviously referring to um, a breastfeeding mother uh, who, you know, the source of life and sustenance and satisfaction comes from God. Everything that we need, we get from him. And so when we drink from him, he provides everything that we need that, that, I mean, men don't breastfeed. So men don't breastfeed. That's all I'm going to say. So, um, (laughs) also the other thing that I think is important to note is that 
when God, when it says that we're made in God's image, I was telling you this earlier that I, I'm one of those people that I believe that because, because God is multifaceted, that's going to be illustrated in us and how we're made in his image too. So and God will confirm the things he says, even throughout nature. So a man and a woman both produce testosterone and estrogen. Men produce more, est- more testosterone than estrogen and vice versa for females. But I also think I just want to address the whole notion of saying that, hey, no, I'm sorry, only men are two thirds of the body of Christ are females. That is an absolute, I'm sorry, it is an absolute insult to women to say something like that. And, and I mean that in all, all respect. I'm not, I'm not targeting any specific person. I'm just talking about this. I've heard this so many times throughout my life. And I'm like, 70% of, I would say close to 70% of our viewership on Elijah Fire is female. And then also 60 to 70% of our guests are women, you guys. And so it's like, to me, it's just like, I look at it like this. I'm like, I'm going to upset someone for saying this. And I don't care. Um, is I've used this illustration before, but it's like in Wonder Woman, there's this island called Themyscira and it's surrounded by all these just mighty women, right? If I'm Superman, of course, going onto this island and I being surrounded by these powerful women, it doesn't make me any less a man. It doesn't make me any less like, so Superman, it doesn't make him any less Superman being surrounded by these, these women. I think that there's this issue within men where we become intimidated by women having any form of leadership, having any form of voice. And I'm like, I, I'm just not intimidated by that. I'm, I'm more interested in what God is about. I want him glorified and if it's through a woman awesome if it's through a man awesome like it i'm more concerned about the kingdom i'm more concerned about god's business Krista, i know you are as well all the guests i have on my show are about the kingdom business and so i i think it's just it, it's a you're doing yourself uh you're doing yourself a disservice and i would i would challenge you if you are still offended by this you need to take that before the Lord and ask why you are so offended by this. Like, I'm just going to be very blunt and honest about it. I, I, I care about you and I want you to have a biblical understanding of this. We're not, we're not changing the definition of who God says he is. As a matter of fact, Krista is constantly going back to the Hebrew um, to reference who God says he is. So I think that it's important to recognize that like, in the same way that masculine traits have come from God, feminine traits have come from God as well. And I think that, does that mean that God is now suddenly a woman? No, it doesn't mean that. Um, but yeah, there it is. Amen. That's good, Jeff. And it's yeah. so true because, you know, we need both. You know, the expression mm-hmm. of God, the Lord told me years ago, um, when my husband and I were both in this kind of like religious deconstruction of things that had been taught that were actually not truly, uh, that were taught out of context from scripture and that certain denominations had really built these, uh, fortresses, like these denominations on, right? Denomination, what does that mean? To have dominion, to dominate, right? And it's interesting because there are certain denominations that have uh, theological beliefs that 
women are to be dominated by men, but that's not at all what the Bible says. Mm -hmm. You know, Paul talks about um, how women are, or how men are to love their wives the way that Christ loves the church, meaning being willing to die for her Mm -hmm. and to care for her as he cares for himself, Mm -hmm. uh, not to lord over her and dominate her. Right. Um, You know, the Holy Spirit, the paracletus, the one that, you know, the wife is the same noun for, we're called alongside and not underneath and we're not above. Just the same way that, you know, Eve came from the rib of Adam. Actually, the rib um, in the Hebrew, that's actually not quite the understanding. It's just that uh, the King James didn't have a better understanding of Paleo Hebrew Hmm. uh, like we do today. And so, and there are translations of the Bible and um, there's so much research and commentary on this, the better that we are learning Paleo Greek and Paleo Hebrew, meaning like ancient Hebrew, uh, that it wasn't from just the rib, but it was actually from the innermost being, the very Mm. substance, the the hidden secret, uh, mystery, mysterion part of Adam was created woman. Mm. And her name is Eve because Eve means life. Mm. And so God created, and this kind of segues into this whole word that God has given me for the uh, new the Hebrew New Year that we're yeah we're talking about it guys yeah but Eve means life and so God created Eve to out of his governmental character and nature to be able to reproduce generations and cycles of life in the human species and so whenever we hear Yahweh or we hear Lord. Um, we're actually seeing God's governmental character and nature, who is the, the Hebrews know him as the creator of the universe, who gives what the fruit of the womb and the fruit of the vine, which implies that God is like a sower or like a farmer who sows seed, who, who creates potential for reproduction. Hmm. And that comes through Eve. So it's, um, you know, when you just, when you really start asking God um, to help you understand him, he, he breaks it down and he, he shows you things that um, should be obvious, but blow your mind because his ways are not our ways, yeah. you know? Um, and so that would be my a suggestion to people is when you hear something that kind of like strikes you as like, well, that doesn't sound like the way I've always heard it, or I've always learned it. Well, guys, it's not 1984. And there's way more translations of the Bible than the King James version. There's so much more research that's available that is totally grounded. And, um, then better than all of that, you know, I tell people all the time, Smith Wigglesworth, uh, one of his favorite or one of my favorite quotes from him was, you know, I don't read the Bible in the King James. I read the Bible in the Holy Ghost. Hmm. Right. So that's how I read the Bible is, is through Mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit. And then when I see something in scripture 
that clashes with something in me or when I see um, a certain word that uh, I just can't get away from on that page, I will begin to go deeper into trying to understand one, who who is the author, right? What uh, What was the audience that the author was speaking to? Because mm-hmm. if you That's understand- very important. <laughs> it's so important. Yeah. And then because and then you have to understand the culture and the customs of the times. Yeah. And that's one of the things where, unfortunately, the translation and the language barrier even now is still an issue. And yeah, as we learn more about these paleo languages, we're gaining a better understanding. And that's why, you know, looking at commentaries and and different commentaries that might conflict is important because it's important to get to the root of it. Because if I see two conflicting things, I go, okay, well, now I'm going to go into the Greek or now I'm going to go into the Hebrew. I got to get to the bottom of this, you know, so. Exactly. And, you know, it's the word of God is so rich and it's such an adventure. And, you know, it's, I just love the way that God will speak to you in the Rhema and in the Logos, like, and how the Logos word. So the Logos is Greek for the written word. And then Rhema is the freshly spoken prophetic word in Greek. And I love how God speaks in both. So you can still have an author, you know, be reading a book of the Bible and the author is speaking to an audience that did not come from your culture, but the word that he's speaking will prophesy in a rhema. So a freshly spoken word directly to your heart or to your day or to your situation or whatever it is. And you feel it because it's alive. The word is living and active. And um, so I, I always, you know, I've gotten to this point in my life. I had a really wild encounter with the Lord during that deconstruction phase (laughs) um, where Good deconstruction, by the way. Good deconstruction. And there is a good deconstruction deconstruction happening within. Yeah. Right. So when I say good deconstruction is like, where does Jesus offend me? Mm. Where does my, um, the doctrine of men that I have believed without searching the scripture and searching God's heart, where does that rise up against the knowledge of who he really is? Mm, That's good. And, um, where, where am I afraid to encounter God in a certain way because of fear of being either one deceived or fear that I'm going to be punished Because God doesn't operate in fear. He operates by faith. And he says that the Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth, not some, but all. And the Bible also says that to the pure, all things are pure, right? And so they're Mm -hmm. navigating that and having discernment um, is really important. You know, the, the Pharisees of Jesus's day, they had been taught for generations that they were the righteous ones that the you know the common man were below them they they had all this puffed up worldly wisdom 
And even the Torah, you know, they had their opinions about what the Messiah was going to look like. Mm -hmm. And because of their, because of their pride and because they thought that they knew how God was going to come, they totally missed him or they were so offended by him that they murdered him when he got here. They expected a, you know, a war hero to come and to conquer Rome. And what happened? He did come in. He came in in the lowest form, right? And so oftentimes God will do things to offend our mind to reveal our heart. And so using discernment is so important. Yep. Amen. A hundred percent. Amen. And I I love that you are totally tackling topics like this. And uh, I really pray that God continues to give you wisdom and revelation Mm -hmm. to be able to lead people into truth, Jeff, because that is something that you carry. Mm. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. I I just think that um, I, you know, I've been in the church long enough and I've been a Christian since 2004. um, And I have seen enough damage done as a result of bad theology. And and I'm not talking, guys, I have tasted of the fruit of that nasty, nasty tree of progressive Christianity. And it is absolutely horrible. Okay, you guys. Um, so I, if there's anything that I say, you should know that it's not coming from that place of progressive Christianity, because that is the last thing that we need to be doing is pulling people away. It's masquerading as a good thing. And it's just pulling people further from the Lord. I know because I've tasted of that fruit. Um, and there's a lot of compromises that happen um, as you go to that place. And I can't tell you how many of my friends have gone into progressive Christianity and are now full on atheists. So it's horrible. Um, and so, yeah, we'll talk more about progressive Christianity on a later date. Um, cause I really want to start going after some of that stuff, um, and providing some context. Um, uh, but Krista, mm-hmm. I don't know if you were going to say something just now. I was just going to say, um, you know, one of the best ways to be able to discern whether or not it's God is whether or not it lines up with God's. Uh, law of covenant love, Hmm. covenant love. Covenant is different than, um, than lust. Covenant is, is uh, self-surrendering. Covenant uh, says where you go, I'll go. Mm -hmm. Um, It's, it's a, a bound for, for life thing. And I have discovered with, with the progressive Christianity garbage. Um, that you have to be really careful. There, that's a whole. I mean, like I have this whole lesson on Jezebel. I have this whole lesson on Jezebel's daughters, Athaliah. I have this whole lesson on Asherah poles and on uh, Baal worship and Kabbalism, which is uh, another. It's ancient Hebrew, but it's actually where deep state crazy witchcraft stuff is now. And so mm-hmm. I, that is like really deep meat stuff mm-hmm. and it's not, um, 
first of all, people have to be grounded in the love of God and understanding a clear picture of the gospel and what the blood of Jesus has done for us. Um, if you don't have that, you definitely should not be trying to tackle principalities and hmm. <laughs> going after yeah. you know, things that uh, you have no grid for. Because if you don't even understand who you are in Christ as a child of God through the blood of Jesus, who's reckoned you righteous, redeemed, holy, and um, innocent, then and you don't know your authority as a child of God, then you're not going to be able to to do what is necessary to protect yourself from those kind of things. And so at the end of the day, God is not a man. He's not human. He came as human in Christ. And there is a human flesh body with wounds that's seated at the right hand of the father. But he is the deity as a whole is fully feminine and, and fully masculine. He is the fullness. And we are, types and shadows of that fullness yeah so and i think also the fact that jesus came as a man in bodily form gives a good indicator of you know his you know uh, reinforces the whole god the father aspect the fact because that when jesus when god came into bodily form he was a man so yeah yeah and you know and here's the thing guys is that we need each other yeah right it's not who's better it's that we it's God created a symbiotic relationship. And so, you know, man in man, there is both man and woman because of what your seed, your sperm. Yeah. Right. Well, and Yeah. And oh, sorry, go ahead. No, because the, it's the male DNA that creates the gender of mm -hmm. the embryo of the baby. Yeah. But women are the ones that carry it. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And so it, it's totally symbiotic. And Jesus he loved women. He loved single moms. He, you know, his, he loved the widows. He loved the children. And Jesus is the epitome of what true masculinity is. Thanks for listening. The Elijah Fire podcast is made possible by donations like yours. To become a partner, visit ElijahFire.com slash donate. Um, and so, yeah, that's, it's, it's obvious that the father is, fully masculine. <laughs> yeah. But I also want to, I, I remember what I was going to say. It was, it's kind of out of place now, but I remember what I was going to say. And it was Robbie Dawkins has been on the show, which actually just reminds me that I need to have him back because it's been like a year and it's too long. I love Robbie. Um, but he was talking about uh, Christians in Iran and he said the vast majority of them are females. And he said, I'll take one female Iranian Christian over five men. He's like, those women are crazy and they'll do, they're so bold for the Lord. And, and this isn't an issue of, oh, well, when they get enough men, then the men will replace them. I got news for you guys. Absolutely not. These women are leading churches. They're leading, they're doing amazing things for the Lord in these areas of the world that are intense, crazy, hardcore. God's not like, Ooh, no. You know, let's wait for some guys to help lead you women. And then, well, I, are you kidding? No. <laughs> so, yeah. So, well, yeah. You know, I mean, Jesus is coming back for a bride and only yeah. a woman really understands and comprehends bridal love. Yeah. And that's you another know? thing. That's another thing. Okay. So there was an encounter that I had with the Lord back in June 
And it was crazy. It was hardcore, but it was like, and it was during the show. Like one of my guests was praying and I full on like had an, an encounter with the Lord. Um, and uh, for those who don't know, I'll tell you it. Um, but it was basically this like, it was almost this like amber kind of honey colored, like uh, it almost looked like a portal to be completely honest, completely submerged, like from here up to me. And I legit like Jesus came to me and he, he knows that I'm, I, I call it hashtag no spoilers. He knows that I, I, I don't want to see him face to face until I'm in heaven, but he's been doing really clever and fun things to still encounter with me, give him me encounters. But I only see part, part, like a part of him. And so he comes to me fully. I saw him fully as he was on the cross, like bloody cut up crown of thorns. And he comes up to me, he grabs the back of my neck and he presses the thorns into my forehead. So our foreheads are touching, but that, I still feel what the thorns felt like. I felt them like mm. penetrate into the center of my head, um, but it didn't hurt. And I remember I opened my eyes and I could see like this portion of him because our foreheads are touching. And so I could see his prominent nose. I could see all that stuff. And he said, he said, my, uh, oh man, I wrote it down, but he said, my, my crown of thorns is your crown of thorns. My wounds are your wounds. And I felt, you know, as a guy, you kind of get kind of, if it, a lot of guys can get kind of weirded out by that. I am the bride of Christ. Right. Um, but in that moment with God's intense presence around me, I got it mm. that it's not it, the only way I can describe it is it's deeper than physical. Like it's, it's the only translation would be, yes, I get it. I am his, he is my husband. Like I am part of the bride of Christ. I understand that now but it's deeper. Like it's so much deeper and the English language does a huge disservice to what that actually means. So yeah, it does that because there are so many mysteries in that. And we have, man, that's a whole nother topic for a whole nother day, bro. But I remember asking the Lord, uh, years ago before anybody knew, knew me, like, you know, God, will you please show me the mysteries of, of your love of agape love? What I want to know the mysteries. Like if, if you could show this person, the mysteries of the peanut, or if you could show this person, the mysteries of the Adam, could you show me the mysteries of love? Mm. And, um, the encounter that I had was him taking me into, um, into a womb at the moment of conception. And, and I, this was like, not what I was asking for. Um, mm -hmm. actually at the time, uh, my marriage was really struggling because I was dealing with, uh, compounded trauma from the sexual abuse that I went through before I got saved. And there was a lot of misunderstanding surrounding, um, you know, intimacy, uh, in even in marriage, because it had been so twisted and so perverted before I got saved. And there were all these wounds and just lies that I believed. And so I was speaking about emotional love and God began to sh unravel the mysteries of, of true intimate love where the two become one and life is created out of the oneness and, um, and out of the bliss of intimacy. 
And I literally did not realize that I was in this dark, warm place and I could hear this thump and like a heartbeat. And I thought it was the father's heartbeat. But then all of a sudden I heard this high pitched like, ha, and this bright flash of light. And I watched the moment where the, the sperm and the egg come together. Hmm. And, um, I, and I watched this baby in the womb be woven together from its heart. Heaven was in its heart. The spark of life came out of its heart and it became, it, it began to live from the inside out and became a whole person. And from its heart, the song of the mother from the mother's heart was weaving it into existence is like the most wild thing I'd ever experienced before. And then God began to show me the mysteries of how we are held inside of him and cared for inside of him. And the umbilical cord is like the vine and how we're supposed to abide in him and he in us. And it was just this wild thing. And then I, I experienced, um, the, the pregnant belly became the world at the moment of, uh, you know, before where it was, uh, in chaos and darkness and, and without form, like in Genesis and the ver, I mean, and it's all coming together and like this crazy. It felt like I was in the encounter, right? I'm watching the creation account and the Holy spirit began to hover over the face of the void. And as it hovered, there was a vibration and things began to, to take shape. And I felt the Holy spirit, um, like over top of me in such a way that it shocked me. And so I come out of this encounter and I'm like, whoa, what was that? And so I went on this deep study in the Bible of discovering that the, the same word that the Hebrews use for hover is when a, a husband hovers over a woman in the act of, uh, you know, marital con- you know, spicy time, spicy time. Yeah. <laughs> and, but it's the same. And I'm like, whoa, like this whole thing is all a prophetic picture mm-hmm. of a spiritual reality. And God is not, he's a spirit. And so we, he's not perverted. It's, right. it's so pure. And I mean, I'm telling you, that was actually the process that I began to get set free. And I began Mm. to get healed from all the lies that the enemy had told me uh, Mm. about even human intimacy and being able to be intimate with with others, Mm. um, especially within the context of covenant love and marriage between one man and one woman. And it totally saved our saved our marriage. Um, It. And, um, it's now something that I'm beginning to teach to get women who are post-abortive and have been through sexual trauma healed, um, to see the beauty of it. And that's, you know, that really in creation is when we look the most like God because he's a creator. Mm. Uh, and that is why the enemy absolutely hates 
intimacy. He hates sexuality. He's yeah. That's why pornography has become a thing. That's why. Yeah. On and on and on. He twists it and he makes it about lust, not about love Mm -hmm. uh, because he hates the image of God. He hates us. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah. So I hope that sets somebody free. Um, So in the 15 minutes that we have left. (laughs) No, we don't have 15. Are you kidding? Come on. You're tripping. Yeah. We got a couple more minutes. Don't worry. I actually just feel like there might be some women out there, even some men that you've gone through some sexual trauma Mm, um, or maybe before you knew the Lord. um, Wow. I feel the Holy Ghost on this. Before you knew the Lord, um, having sex was the only way that you knew how to receive the affirmation of the opposite sex and or, you know, of, of men or of women. And it was, uh, it, it became an idol in your life and a, a false Holy spirit in your life to be able to fill the need that your soul had for love, which only God can fill. And, uh, now it, I feel like this is for several women. You feel almost dirty and ashamed, even within marriage because of the past. And uh, I just feel the Holy Spirit right now is healing you, uh, is healing you. Uh, And, you know, I remember one time when I was learning about uh, the law or what is it, the gift of singleness that Paul had, you know, where, you know, you're not called to be married, um, that I remember thinking, and I was married at the time. I remember thinking, oh, maybe that's what I have because I went totally hyposexual. And I remember God speaking to me so clear. He said, that ship is sailed. You're married, <laughs> you know? And I was like, whoa, like God wants me to have a vibrant, romantic love life with my spouse. Yeah, And that's what God wants for you. It was actually created for you to be a gift to you, to Mm -hmm. your spouse. And, uh, and, and so I just bless you Mm -hmm. and I bless the bedroom, uh, you know, the marriage bedroom. And because this is only within marriage guys. Um, that's the only way that it's lawful because outside of covenant, it creates casualties. Okay. And, um, so I just bless you and Holy spirit. I just ask right now that you would come and that you would cut off the shame of the past that um there would be a revelation of the blood of Jesus that cleanses us and makes us a new creation um the lord told me guys uh that once i received jesus that in regards to my sexuality because i was a new creation all of the things that were attached to my past and my ta- my past related to sexuality were completely annihilated. They were crucified with Christ and I was raised to new creation life. And um, so they had no authority over me anymore. And that meant that the only man that I had ever known was my husband. And so I bless you to be able to engage in intimacy with your spouse as if you've only ever known your spouse. Wow. And Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would uh, lead your people that this relates to um, on a journey of discovering the lies 
that they have been in agreement with about the purity of sexual love within covenant, that you would lead them in that and that God, that you would reveal to them the truth that is hidden in your word and that you would speak to them the truth that they could come into agreement with that and break off the lies in Jesus name. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Come on. Wow. Hallelujah. So, okay. So you, you have some, uh, some good stuff about this new Hebraic year that we're entering into. So I'm just going to let you go for it. Yeah. So, um, the Lord just gave me kind of this download. He's been speaking to me a lot about copper and about, um, in Psalm 45, it says, you have made my tongue like the pen of a ready writer. And very interesting. Yesterday, I went to a city council meeting to speak up for life. My city, the city of Oxford, decided that they were going to write a resolution of dissent uh, against the Roe v. Wade uh, decision to, or uh, the Supreme court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade saying that they didn't agree with it. And although the resolution that they wrote had no sway over obviously the highest court in the land's decision, um, I felt that it was necessary that I go and be a voice to stand in the court, um, as a, spiritual authority in my region and in the nation to declare that their resolution did not represent our city mm-hmm. and that our city chose life and not death. And the craziest thing, I went to go check the mail at the revival rooms, which is my revival hub, which is right next door to the courthouse, by the way. And I open it up and I get this package and I literally open this package in the courtroom and it is a pen. Oh, whoa. And not only that, but it had a label on it that said copper. Hmm. And I'm like, that is very interesting. What are you saying about copper? Will Will you show me the mysteries of this after God literally spoke to me, Psalm 45? And what I've realized is that copper is a pure mineral meaning that it is similar to gold and to silver. It is the only other pure mineral. And of all the other instruments in the tabernacle, most of everything in the court, the outer court was made of copper. Interesting. It also um, was used as money and it was, you know, we have copper pennies, right? So it is the, the little things. When I was in uh, Minnesota, this has been a whole journey for me. And this is how God, you know, talks to me. Um, A child walked up to me and he just emptied this bag of little tiny copper uh, crosses and he put them in my hands. And I heard the the Lord say seed. And I said, it's interesting. What are these? And he said, oh, they're pennies. They're they're, uh, little crosses that had been cut out from pennies. And I thought that that was really interesting. Mm-hmm. And there, so, so the Lord is speaking about um, the 
the widow's might, I believe, in this season. And I began to just go on this journey with the Lord, learning what the Hebrew New Year, which is uh, 5783, Rosh Hashanah is actually coming up. It's this week. Um, I believe it, it's happening on the 24th. I'm actually going to be in Tahlequah, uh, which is Oklahoma. Oh, I was going to say, I don't know where Tahlequah is. Yeah, it's Oklahoma. It's Cherokee capital for our last Trail of Joy event uh, of this year. And over Rosh Hashanah, and which is the Hebrew New Year. And so the way that the Jews celebrate it and the way that they understand it is that it is this time of year where the books from last year are being closed and the new books for this year are being open in heaven. And um, God was showing me this year's ledger. Um, so right now he's showing me last year's ledger. And I believe what God is is showing is that it's the finances, our finances from the previous year, and um, that he's closing that book and he's opening a new ledger. And this one is all blank. And I believe what the Lord is saying in this hour is that our, our mouth, our decree is what is going to write this year's ledger, this year's budget, hmm. if you will. And this is a personal word for me because, um, unfortunately, you know, a lot of our funding to be able to fund the Speak Life Project and the women's summits and uh, impacting the family and the government and religious mountains to restore family, all of that was coming through the Speak Life Project. Yeah. And once Roe v. Wade got overturned, I lost about 90% of my financers. Hmm. And I am talking to women's care centers and uh, these community resource centers that are in the fight to protect life. And they're all saying the same thing. They've that once Roe v. Wade got overturned, they lost the majority of their financers. Yeah. And now Google and, um, you know, some of these larger, uh, search engine platforms are actually hiding our information. Boo. They're Boo. hiding us because they're in there promoting, um, other organizations who have can spend thousands of dollars on keywords to get when when women go and put in you know certain information in the in the the search bar right then all these other organizations that don't stand for life are popping up and so that's the big thing is that you know although um I'm not okay. So I want to go into this. Let me give you just a foundation first because I feel like I need to give you a foundation. So mm -hmm. we're entering the number, the Hebrew year 5783. And so this is the decade of the pay. The eight is the pay in Hebrew. It has the numeric property of 80. What's interesting is the number 80 in Hebrew, it represents strength. And it, it actually, the joy of the Lord being our strength is 80 and um, eight means new beginnings. And mm -hmm. so 10 eights is not only new beginnings, but new, new beginnings perfected. Mm -hmm. And the pay in the Hebrew is a mouth with a seed in it or a creative spark. 
And it literally means to speak out a thing. So we are in the decade of the pay. And I believe the Lord is saying that we are going to be paid according to what we speak out, to what we decree. So the three in this year um, is the gimel. And the gimel is a camel. (laughs) So the camel represents abundance. It represents provision. It's the burden bearer. It's, it's the weighty glory of God. God is known. The kavod is another word for glory. And it means to be somebody who is loaded down with goodness and with benefits. Okay. And the gimel can also represent a righteous man walking towards or running towards the Dalit, which is a four. So you have to understand the Hebrew number four in order to know the Gemel. But the four is a door or it is a poor man or a humble servant that is on his knees before Mm. the righteous, rich man, wealthy man who is walking towards him. Okay. So all of he all of the Hebrew um, alphabet it it is each one is a prophetic picture of Christ it it it's the gospel story who is the righteous wealthy man we know it's God mm-hmm. and who is the Dalit um, it that's us we are the poor in spirit who is totally dependent on God for everything all of our supply Amen mm-hmm. Yeah um, and really quick. Um, there are some people who are there's a lot of people who are watching this who are like totally on board with what you're saying totally jamming with it but there are some people who this is completely new and you may be thinking krista don't you think you're reading into it a little bit and the problem is is that i know because i used to be like that yeah the english language is nothing like the hebrew the hebrew language at all and i think that we keep looking through our western mindset of this word that we say means this but Hebrew is so complicated and there's so many layers and so much depth to it. So Krista going in depth like she is, is completely not out of bounds at all. <laughs> like, so, right. so it's, she's actually like, I would encourage you even after listening to her, if you're still kind of like, what? Start studying Hebrew. I'm like, I don't even know hardly any, okay, like of this. So, but I've looked at it enough to be like, wow, like this is dense. So, God, so it's God's original language, okay? There is so much about the Hebrew language that was Jesus's language. God's times and his seasons, his language, his kingdom, it operates completely different than ours. Like we operate in a Greco-Roman society for the most part. And so when we look at time, Greco-Roman understanding of time is linear, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that God's times and seasons, they move in cycles. Um, So we see that when you begin to learn the Hebrew, even if you just learn the alphabet, because everything that God did, everything that he gave the, his people, the his original people, the Jews, okay, which are still his inheritance, they're still the promised people that we've been engrafted into, okay? Um, he gave them, everything around them 
was a prophetic picture of the Messiah. And he did that intentionally because his heart was always to bring them home to him. Right. And so in everything, even the the unleavened bread that they take at Passover, it literally is made on a grill where it has burned stripes and it's pierced with a fork. And who is Jesus? He's the bread of life. These are all things Jesus spoke in these mysteries, these metaphors to try to get people to understand, to see with their hearts (laughs) who he really was Mm -hmm. and what he was offering them. Yeah. So that actually may have been a light bulb for some people with prophecy all of a sudden, because God is still doing that today. He's still drawing he's still drawing parallels to what he's already spoken like even today uh, because he's still speaking and he's still alive and the word is alive so for some people right now i just really feel like they were like "Bing!" they were like ah that explains why prophecy is a thing even today so yes and exciting It is so wild how intentional God is with his word. Um, Even where things are like specific words that he says, the numbers of times that that word is spoken, the overlap in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, between hundreds, thousands of years that people wouldn't know that wrote about it in the New Testament. Um, He is very intentional. And with the alphabet, um, which is how they say it, the alphabet, the alf, because the alf in is actually an ox, and it's the father. It's it's the the head of the house, okay. And then the bet, it's it's actually by it is the house, but it's actually a son who builds. So in the Hebrew. Um, So the alphabet starts with the alpha, the alf, and then it's preceded by the son. So the head of house had a son (laughs) and it's sons. We being sons and daughters of God, we're the ones that increase his house, right? God said to be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. In the Torah with the, the Genesis account, it the the it literally says so the the words in the beginning they it starts with bereshit which is in the mouth of god was the house of god hmm. it's so wild um, yeah, that's I mean, crazy and that's in the torah and so you have to understand that if you want a deeper understanding of scripture you need to understand the culture and learning the Hebrew, uh, even if you just learn the alphabet, alphabet is great. Um, I get so much prophetic revelation by going to to God's language, going to God's numbers. The other thing with the Hebrew alphabet is that it's pictorial, um, and yeah. and it's also alphanumeric, meaning that each one is a picture. Um, and not only is it a picture, does it also correlates to a letter and a sound like our alphabet or like ours does, but it's also correlated to a number. So it has a numeric value also. Um, so that helps a lot of people too. Yeah. Do you have any good, uh, 
any resources off the top of your head if people are wanting to get a little bit more into this? I've seen some people recommend the Blue Letter Bible. Um, which Blue Letter is Bible is good. Um, so there's a couple, if you really want to go deep into like the Hebrew, there are a lot of really good resources. Um, some of the ones that I particularly love, um, what is her name? Oh my goodness. His Appointed Times. Um, she is a sweet little prophetic teacher. Oh my goodness. I can't, uh, Kristen Vallis and she's on YouTube and she usually posts something every month. Um, what's really interesting with me. So God's months aren't the same as our months of the year. Like what you're hearing, help us continue to make Elijah fire and the Elijah fire podcast possible to get behind this ministry. Visit ElijahFire.com slash donate. Now back to the show. And he actually has two new years. He has a civil new year and then he has a creation account new year which is really interesting Hmm. um, because one of the new years was, which is this one was about creation, God's creation. And the other new year that God established the new year or the Hebrews to celebrate was when he brought them out of Egypt. And I believe it's just because God loves new beginnings and because he, he's the God of second chances, Mm -hmm. you know? So if we missed him the first time he, he, wants to give us another opportunity amen to find him mm-hmm. and so all That's of why it sent so many prophets in the old testament <laughs> <You> know, <yeah. laughs> so but but kristen vallis is great she's really sweet and um prophets a lot of time will catch the month the hebrew month that we're in uh before you know, we even realize this a month. So I'll usually it's at being a prophetic person. I will catch what God is getting ready to do usually two weeks before the month actually ticks over. Um, because we're called to speak it, to decree it, mm-hmm. and then to let people know so that they're prepared going into it. Uh, another really great resource that I like, and now I don't know these people personally, but my spirit witnesses with them, uh, I can't remember his name, but Groundbreaker International hmm. is another really good one that you can look up. And he's right next door to me in Indiana. I should probably just go see that guy. Yeah. Knock on his door. Be like, hey, like, hey, what's up? I wonder if he knows who I am. Yeah. Okay. So what is. So let's go, what, uh, go ahead. So just to finish what God is saying for. 5783 is that this is going to be, so it's the year of the pay and the gimel, meaning that the seed, what we speak, what we decree um, is, is going to be what the, the provision that we see in Mm -hmm. 83. And so what's interesting is that the gimel if it is the righteous man walking towards the humble poor man, he's either bringing with him wealth and provision or he's bringing with him judgment. And so 83 is going to be the year where those who, um, you know, life and death is in the power of the tongue and those who are talkative, those who love it are going to eat the fruit of it. And so it's whatever we're speaking, what we speak out of our mouths is, is 
directly connected to our heart condition, our heart posture, right? Because the Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's right. And so I know automatically people are going to be like, oh, that's the name it, claim it, prosperity, gospel. Yeah, let's talk about that. No, this is not the name it, claim it, prosperity, gospel. Okay. Um, One, I just want to get this straight. The gospel is absolutely prosperous. It's absolutely rich. It's absolutely wealthy and glorious because that's who our God is. And in nowhere in scripture does it say that we as Christians are supposed to be poor Come on, preach it. in our bank accounts. It preach does it. So say and tired of that. It yeah. is. That is absolutely ungodly because we're in it, the, we're in the problems that we're in right now because of mentalities like that. I'm just going to be honest. Like, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, but the Bible is very clear and God himself, Jesus is very clear that a worker is due his wages mm-hmm. and that we are to, um, prosper and be in health, even as our soul prospers. Uh, he says that, uh, God delights in the prosperity of his servants that, um, it would be a sign to people that his presence is with us, that he would bless us to be a blessing to the nations. In the uh, Abrahamic covenant, he said, um, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said that you will lend and not borrow. Amen. You are the head and not the tail. That's what God said. Jubilee. I mean, if God did not care about the prosperity of his people, Abraham wouldn't have been rich. Isaac wouldn't have been rich. Jacob wouldn't have been rich, right? It was actually Abraham, before God cut the covenant with Abraham, um, he went and he gave a tithe. He gave 10% of everything that he had to this dude named Melchizedek, who was a king and a priest. Okay. This is really interesting, guys. This is a first mention of, of a tithe being brought to a king and to a priest, right? And we are what? We are kings and priests under the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek. Meaning Melchizedek and and Abraham, who was the father of nations, bringing a tenth of his wealth to give to, to Melchizedek was a type and shadow of a New Testament reality. Mm. Um, okay. Now, Abraham recognizing that Melchizedek was just a man and was not in fact God, when Melchizedek went to give him a tithe, said, no, I won't even take a sandal strap from you. Least when God blesses and increases me, Melchizedek can say that you made Abraham rich. Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. So literally, Right after that exchange, you see God make a covenant with Abraham to bless him and to make, and he said that your offspring will be uh, more numerous than the sands or the grains of sand and the stars in the sky. And from your seed, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And that's because Jesus, the Messiah came through that lineage, right? Mm -hmm. But the Bible also says that, you know, so we are to be humans. We're to be poor in spirit. 
recognizing that there is nothing good within us outside of God, who is um, the father of lights to from whom every good gift flows from above into our lives. Okay. Um, and his presence with us should, should reveal abundance because we're called to be a blessing to those who are needy. Um, and we are to increase. And when you have finances, when you prosper, when you are prospering, then you have more freedom and you have influence. You have the ability to be able to do things that you wouldn't be able to do because poverty actually hinders you and keeps you small. Does it not? Okay. So, um, yeah, so that's God delights in the prosperity of his servants. We should be blessed to be a blessing. Um, it, and it's really not even about Deuteronomy eight eighteen. It says, do not forget the Lord, your God, who gives you the power to create wealth. That word power there, a better understanding, or it means the potential. So God is the one who actually gives us wisdom. He gives us favor and he gives us the potential to create wealth. All of that is from God. And the Jews understand this. That's why even Jews are some of the most wealthy people today, because they understand that to have business ideas and entrepreneur um, understanding and knowledge and know-how and uh, stick-to-itiveness is a Mm -hmm. gift from God to gain wealth. Hmm. So that they, as a sign that they're his, his people. Mm -hmm. But I was asking the Lord, so is it really in the name it and claim it? Like, is that really what, what produces the fruit of prosperity? And the Lord told me that, no, it's not necessary. I mean, it is, there is creative power, but it's in the abundance of the heart. And we believe faith comes by hearing, by hearing the word of God. Right. So as we hear things and those things go into our heart, we begin to come into agreement with it. And as we speak out, we make declarations in faith, trusting God that he's not a man that he should lie, nor will he be mocked. Whatever a man sows, he shall also reap. That our faith-filled words are the seed that are going to produce the harvest that we see this year. Yeah, that's exciting. It is very, it's It's exciting, exciting. but then there's also this other thing and and it's a warning. Um, So when your words are righteous and your deeds are righteous and you have a heart that wants to be blessed by God to be a blessing, not so that you can stack up your 401k and, you know, buy a bunch of rental property. Swim around in a pool full of coal cans like McDuck. Yeah. Like bad stuff. Bad stuff. Yeah. So um, that's not what, what this thing is about. This is about the open hand mentality is having an open heart towards God and having an op- open hands towards people. Open heart towards God creates open hands towards people. Um, in another, here's some more Hebrew for you. So Jesus said that it is more difficult for a rich man to go through the eye of a needle um, then, or then a camel through the eye of a needle. 
when Jesus was saying that he was there, there's a Jewish idiom about a good eye versus an evil eye. So a good eye sees the need of those around them, the impoverished, the poor, um, the sick, the diseased, the, you know, the needy, right? And a good eye sees the need and has a desire to meet the need. An evil eye, on the other hand, ignores, ignores the cry of the needy and the destitute and the poor and the hungry. And so the eyes of their understanding are dark and they cannot see the truth. Um, and God hates an evil eye. And that's actually what Jesus was saying, that if your eye leads you to sin, pluck it out. <laughs> okay. Um, so one of the things that the Lord told me is that moving into 5783, we need to be aware that, um, how do I say this gently, Lord? Well, you just got to say it. Yeah. I'm just trying to find the way to say it. So we need to be aware of one, how we're using our words, especially when it comes to, uh, to God's prosperity, because we are going to continue to see food shortages. We are going to continue to see inflation. Um, and we're going to feel like we are being pinched through the eye of a needle. Mm. Okay. This is what the Lord told me. And I am not one of those doomsday prophets. Okay. That's not what I do. Um, so I've taken this to the Lord a bunch of times and, um, he's revealed like, no, this is true. And you, he, he said, he, this is the time where he is raising up the Joseph's in the land who have been prepared in the pit, um, to take the palace, to have the character, to steward the wealth of Egypt or the wealth of the world, um, to release it, to provide for those that are perishing. And it's, it's going to be in our words. And so there are going to be times where um, we are going to be called to say things where we're going to be called to speak, to preach, to prophesy, to pray, um, to have, you know, meetings with Kings, people in high places. And we might not even recognize that they're in high places. And as we do, um, the wealth that they have is going to be released to us to be able to steward kingdom causes in, in 5783. Um, this is also going to be the year where the Lord is going to give us wisdom in how to steward what we have to bring about multiplication and increase. Um, and if we don't, we are going to watch what we have stored up dwindle away and eventually die. And the Lord told me, um, if you are in need, sow a seed. And so there is a decree, something that we're going to have to speak, but there's going to have to be an act. There's an action required in the exchange for us to come into agreement with the, with faith, with our confession of faith. And so, um, this is not, you know, legalistic tithing. And number one, we don't, we don't tithe, um, to get stuff. We tithe because it is out of the 
abundance of our hearts, the good treasure in our hearts to give because Christ has given so much to us. The Lord also gave me this warning about um, people storing up treasures for themselves and allowing his house to lay in ruins. Mm. Um, And I know people get so funny when you start talking about money, but this is the reality of it, guys, is that when we ignore the needs of God's house, the, the, the need, and this is not just, um, you know, churches like the, the local church, but this is his organizations, his, his parachurch ministries, right. That are building and increasing his house. Um, the, those who are, uh, sowing into the body of Christ with spiritual food, right. That, if you neglect those things, then ruin is going to fall on your house. I, I mean, I, and I say this because I, I, I love people and I, and I love, and I don't want anybody to go without, and we don't give in fear. It should be out of the abundance of our heart that we want to see God's house prosper, that we want to see God's servants taken care of. And, um, you know, it is a spiritual principle. It's a, it's actually a universal law that God set into effect at the beginning of creation that um, what you release is what will come back with increase. Mm-hmm. When, when Jesus was asked by the religious leaders, what is, what is the kingdom of heaven like? Jesus responded, the kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who went out to sow seed. Right. And he talked about the, you know, wicked ruler and the, um, the unfaithful steward, the evil steward who, uh, the parable of the talents, right. The, those who, and it's crazy because those who actually had the most, they were trusted with the most, they brought back a harvest or a return, meaning they invested in their faith. They invested with their faith. And if this isn't just with money, this is with anything. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, whatever is sown, so it dies momentarily, or it's not able to be used momentarily. It comes back with increase. The one who did not have faith to invest what was given to him was considered unfaithful. He was considered wicked. And what he had been given was actually taken from him. And it was given to the one who, who was given the most. Mm -hmm. And so, um, the Lord pretty much just gave me this word that, you know, those who are willing to sow in tears, meaning you, the widows might right? the copper, that little copper piece, you go out with very little and you're willing to sow that. God is going to see the little and those who are faithful with the little will be made rulers over much in this, this year of the 5783. Then he gave me, um, the, the chapter in the Bible, uh, with Rebecca who became Isaac's wife Mm -hmm. and how Abraham sent his servant out to go back to the town that he was from to find his son, a wife. And the servant had camels that were loaded down with riches um, and with wealth. 
And the deal that his servant made with the God of Abraham was that if his God was with him, let him find a wife for his master's son. Uh, And this is how he would know that she would give him a drink and not only give him a drink, but she would give his camels a drink. Okay. And so I'm reading this passage of scripture and God's rock in my world. And the thing is, so he gets there to the village, he gets to the well, he sees this beautiful woman named Rebecca. Rebecca actually means captivating Hmm. or alluring, the one who draws in and captures you. Um, And he says, ma'am, would you give me a drink? She's by herself, which is even crazier. So that means that it must be in, you know, the heat of the day. Yeah. Um, so she's she's sweaty. She's sweating, sweating buckets. Right. But she's still beautiful and she's working to draw water guys. It's hard work drawing water from a well. You got to tug on stuff and there's big clay pots. It's just, it's not, it's not like turning on the hose today. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so she gives him a drink and then she says, well, not only that, sir, I'm going to, I'm going to water your camels. And so out of the goodness of her heart, her servant's heart, she goes and she begins to water these camels. Now that is a lot of water, guys. That is a lot of work. That is a lot of labor. Okay. And he knows now that, that this is his master's wife. And the Lord began to speak to me and he said, Krista, those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. See, she didn't do what she did because she wanted to receive something. She did it out of the good treasure of her heart because she was a servant. Mm -hmm. And she didn't realize that the very camels and the servant that she was ministering to, caring for in that moment, that they were actually going to be hers, that she was caring for her very own inheritance that she was going to receive by marriage within just a few days, all because she said yes Mm -hmm. to serving. Mm, That's good. And the Lord just began to speak to me and he said, Krista, you need to know that, and this is a word for me, but it's a word for the body of Christ that those who are willing to refresh others, those who are willing to have an open heart and open hand to meet the needs of others um, are going to be absolutely captivating to him. Hmm. And that it is going to be those people that he is going to bless abundantly in this year and that we are going to see the favor of God on in this upcoming year. And it's going to be to steward um, the provision necessary to get us through this upcoming pinch. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's going to feel like going through the eye of a needle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, this reminds me of like, um, my wife and I were, it was know, probably three years into marriage, two years into marriage, something like that. Um, and we were pretty poor and um, we were, I remember a friend of mine had come to us and said, Hey, he's a missionary, him and his wife are missionaries. And they were like, would you, they sent us a support letter to ask if we wanted to, to support them. And 
my initial reaction was fear. I was like, we are like, we're breaking even every month. Like, and sometimes it's like not even that. Um, and so I really felt both Lauren and I really felt like we were supposed to, supposed to start, uh, uh, so supporting him. And he's like, I want you to start supporting him at $50 a month. And I was like, okay, okay, Lord, I believe that you're going to provide for us. And I want to be obedient to you. And you know that I've always wanted to like give to people. And, um, and so I did. And almost immediately, uh, we got faced with like I, uh, a bunch of like really big bills, right? But then right after that, and here's the thing. This is it too. My reaction in that moment we got those big bills wasn't, we need to cancel our support. We need to stop supporting. See, God told me to support him. He didn't tell me to stop supporting him, which mm. means that we, and he also asked me to support him despite my circumstances. So now these bills come, right? A couple hundred dollars a piece. Uh, one was a hospital bill, some other stuff. And again, not being led by my circumstances, but trusting in the Lord. And then as we just grit our teeth, we just, you know, charged head into this, this situation. All of a sudden Lauren gets, Lauren gets a, a promotion. I get a promotion, like all these things, you know? And, and so I think that, um, it's the, the most important thing is obedience, right? And yes. then also to add more credit to what you're saying about how God operates, he has these things modeled throughout life. So look at, like, you think of like a relationship, right? So if I become, Krista, you and I became friends. The only way that we invested, the only way our friendship grew and we got the return of the blessing of friendship from one another is by investment into it, Right which costs something. So we see this principle that Chris is talking about, even within life, with re within relationships. So yeah, this that's, is really good. That's so true. Yeah, because every, again, it goes back to that symbiotic relationship. God created us all to be in symbiotic relationship, meaning that we coexist. We together is when we are really prospering and, and you know, the flowers, the flowers need the bees. Like they right. can't procreate without the bee, like everything in nature, it's, we're an ecosystem. And so yes, whatever you release, and this isn't anything. And I tell people all the time, you know, I know that there's like this quote and people think it's funny, but you know, wherever, um, you know, sometimes what the breakthrough that you need is not because you need deliverance, like deliverance from another demon, um, it's often because, you know, you make bad choices, right? Mm, yeah. Well, I, you know, this is actually in the book, the next book that I'm writing, I'm actually writing a recovery program for wow. post-abortive women using this topic. But it's not just going to be, it's a life support program that's all based on um, God's governmental character um, of sowing and reaping and cycles of life. But it's a, uh, it's that whatever you put out, you get back. And so if you are finding that there are cycles of corruption, there are cycles of dysfunction, there are cycles of insanity that are happening in your life um, and in relationships, right? Um, and in your finances, in circumstances that keep coming up, you're going to discover that there's actually a root issue there that needs to be pulled up. And there needs to be 
another seed, something else that you plant in that place. Hmm. And so sometimes it's not that you need deliverance. It's that there is a, a corrupted root that has been passed down uh, in cycles through family history that you need to come out of agreement with and you need to start doing the exact opposite of in order yeah. to get deliverance. Wow. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that's with this, I can tell you the truth. Um, I literally, and I literally sewed myself out of poverty. Uh, I mean, I used to get $80 a month, uh, from, you know, it's and not a whole, you can't, yeah, it's not a lot. Nothing. <laughs> and so my tithe was $8 and that was sacrificial when you've got babies that are in diapers, you know? Um, and, but I started there because, and I think for me, it's not about law, you know, it having to be the 10%. It's about how much of God's heart or how much of your heart does God have, right? Right. What do you acknowledge as fully belonging to him? And what do you trust to give to him and trust for him to provide for you, right? Yeah. Mammon, a lot of times we come into salvation and money is our God. That's mm -hmm. where we find our security. And we can't find our security in our bank account. We have no. to find our security in God. Exactly. And so I believe a lot of times God will put us in situations where he'll ask us to sow sacrificially because he's inviting us into an expansion of our faith. He's inviting us into a miracle. He's, he's inviting us into an increase that we would not be able to receive if we weren't willing to step out and take a risk to believe him mm -hmm. to be enough for us. Yeah. And so really Jesus shattered the whole tithe thing when he said, you know, like give everything, <laughs> you know, like he said, give them, the, if your neighbor asks you for this, then actually give him the coat off your back, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so new Testament, uh, giving and sowing and reaping is not based on the law of the tithe. Right. It, it's based on what is God asking you to do? Yeah. Johnny Enlow actually talked about this like a month and a half ago or something like that. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. That that's what I do. So I oh, this is, yeah, this is very much on the heart of God right now, I think, uh, to uh, this topic of giving. Help Elijah Fire continue to make an impact around the world. All donations go toward making Elijah Fire and the Elijah Fire podcast possible. Visit ElijahFire.com slash donate and become a partner today. Because I think too, sorry to cut you off. Um, I, I think because like the thing that I've found to be true, and I actually heard Kat Kerr say this exact thing, I think it was last week, uh, about the whole notion of giving. Because I was like, God, I, I, I never want to, I'm never giving because I want something in return. Mm -hmm. That's not it at all. But it's just how God operates. Like that's how he just, you can't outgive that old saying, you can't outgive God. And it's so true. And it's like, it is a byproduct of giving. And also sometimes like you mentioned, like faith, sometimes God is just testing your faith and, and wants to expand your faith. It really, in the, in the moment it feels labored, but when you actually do it and you feel the growth that happens in that moment, it's like when you've, you have only been taking shallow half breaths and all of a sudden you take a big full breath and you feel your lungs stretch out. It feels really good. That's what it feels like in the spirit. Um, well, Psalm it, 126. 
Those who sow in tears will come back carrying their harvest with shouts of joy. That literally means like, because, you know, when you're going out to sow grain, um, the grain is what you beat to make flour to make bread, right? That that passage of scripture is talking about those who uh, are on, are crying, they're weeping as they sow the only thing in their hands into the ground to die. <laughs> the thing that their their kids wow. are starving, and so they're they're weeping as they're sowing this very little that they have right into the ground, but they might be be crying with the little that they have that they have to release into the soil. But when harvest time comes, guys, that's when we're going to carry our harvest back full in our arms, our arms full with shouts of joy because of the increase that's going to come. Yeah. Every single time I, and this is what I do when, when I give, is that we just ask the Lord, like, what do you want us to give and where do you want us to give it? And so we will find in different seasons of our life, depending on what God is doing, what, what is burning on our hearts, we will sow into either, um, people around us that have needs. Radical generosity inspires me like nothing else in the world because God is radically generous, you know, is generous, radically Mm -hmm. generous. And so I want people when they encounter me, although I'm not rich, I, when God tells me to sow, a lot of times it's, he tells me to sow like I'm rich, buddy. And I'm not rich, (laughs) you know, um, Facebook fame does not equate dollar dollar bills. Y'all No, it does not make sure that you know that. Okay. (laughs) Um, like just so you know, it does not Uh, like $23 on ads revenue is not is not rich like Hollywood stars. Um, so, but we'll find ministry or people that God is telling us to sow into because they have a legitimate need and they have to, he wants them to an encounter, have an encounter with grace that is free to understand grace and how his love is, is unmerited and undeserved. Right. And so we'll do that. Um, or, He'll have us so into ministries that are feeding us spiritually or are doing the things that we know God has called us to do. Um, so I've sown into, uh, I've sown into Elijah list. I've sown into, woo, woo. and this was years, this was years ago. Actually, I think when I sowed into Elijah list, it was before I became an Elijah list um, author or was ever on Elijah stream. So uh, another time are we've sewn into Robbie Dawkins and Robbie Dawkins, literally I sewed $222 into Robbie Dawkins. And I'm not kidding you. We have this on videotape at two hours and 22 minutes into this recorded service at the Cincinnati vineyard. Robbie Dawkins calls me out and gives me a, a call out prophetic word that launched me into ministry. Um, he said, I nice. see you as a general in the faith with epilepsy on your shoulders, like the general's cuffs on your shoulders. And he said, you're a preacher like Amy Simple McPherson. And um, you're going to start in the fields, but someday you're going to, you're going to fill stadiums. Mm. And I haven't seen the stadiums yet, but that word 
literally not even a few weeks later was when I started getting invites to come preach places. Mm -hmm. And it was at 2.22 on the recording. Right after I had wrote a sacrificial check for $222. You can't make that stuff up. Yeah. So I think the the big takeaway from from this, because this is a really good conversation. It's an important one, is, is the whole notion of generosity. I think when times get tough, the tendency is, and I think a lot of this can be blamed on our Western society, um uh, ultimately satan uh but um is to turtle up is to kind of like protect yourself and be like i need to i need to take care of my but god in this next season is calling us because we're in the land of goshen you guys like we're 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 going to be taken care of and so to step out with that knowledge and that faith like i'm already i got man i got bags of rice ready for people i got bags of beans i got all kinds of stuff ready for people. Um, and, uh, and God may call be calling you to do more than that. Um, and I think it's just going to be to just be in the moment and just have a grateful heart, a cheerful heart. That's why I get so, man, I get so emotional on like Christmas Carol with Scrooge at the end when he like has a change of heart and he becomes so generous. Like, I'm like, dude, don't just keep it together. Don't cry. (laughs) Like, cause I just, I get really weepy about that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I um be encouraged everybody. Like this is this isn't something that is is meant to scare us like um that ultimately what it's going to do is bring glory to God. That people are going to see us giving and be like, "Who they what is up with these people? Like they're giving when a time when like don't they have things they need to eat? Like and we God wants to give us an abundance, you know? So um you go, go ahead. The, I have a question from the chat that kind of ties into this, but go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I've, I've been seeing too, um, I've been getting a lot of words and dreams about barns mm-hmm. and the storehouse of heaven being connected to houses. And I really believe that God is saying that those who are in his house need to know that the storehouse of heaven is always available to them. And, um, I'm actually getting ready to do something totally crazy. Oh, um, the Lord has opened up an opportunity for us to move onto a property where there is a barn and, um, he's called us to sow a massive sacrificial seed into getting this house, um, livable so that we can host revival on this property. Um, and we're believing because there's part of this, the way that the property is owned, that it can't be sold unless it's first offered to a neighbor who took advantage of the original owners of this property, um, and made them sign a a thing saying that, um, the first person to have an opportunity to buy it had to be the neighbor who bought a portion of their field. So it's totally evil and it was, wasn't done right. And the the woman was a single mother and was really struggling at the time. It was totally not right. She didn't have money to fight in court. Um, And the Lord is telling us to redeem this property. And I'm believing that what God is going to do is that we're going to do this. We're going to redeem the land. It happens to be right across the street from where I used to do drugs, which is hilarious. Dude, that's crazy. I know. And talk about like 
punching the devil right in the mouth. No, for real. And um, I believe that that farmer is going to give that portion of the land back and is going to, that contract is going to be broken so that this family can, can have their, their legacy in this land back. Hmm. And so, and we're doing this and like, I'm just believing for like massive revival. And I, I feel, I don't know why I'm saying that other than I feel like there's people, God's going to present you with a really wild, really insane, sacrificial um, move. Hmm. And God's going to give you a choice. And I even feel like some of you guys are hearing this and there's like, there's been a war with whether or not you should move forward uh, within you. And it's like, you feel God saying this thing, but like, there's this struggle to like actually move forward in it, like a war within you. And I just feel like the way that you're going to get your clear answer is going to be in the surrender of it. Release it all to God. Remember that it all belongs to him. Once you release it into his hands, that's when we can receive clarity about what our next steps are moving forward. That's when he's going to give us wisdom. Um, so incline your ear to hear his voice, his pay. And I believe that as, you know, everywhere the enemy stole from you um, or would like to try to steal from you, you're going to receive the payback. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so this is from the chat. This kind of goes along with that. This is from Carissa. Can there be delays and blockage that keep provision and resources from reaching us even when we are doing all we know to do and giving at the same time? Yeah, so one, your words. What are you confessing? Um, are you saying statements like, I can't pay my bills? Or, mm. you know, are you saying things like, are you are you giving the enemy verbal contractual agreement with your situation. And two, um, the, the only other thing would be to ask the Lord what, and, and so this is like prophetic intercession. I had to do this too, um, where I went to the courts of heaven and I asked the Lord to issue because I, um, oh goodness, that's, that's it. Okay, Lord. I feel like the Lord says that there are some people who have used their finances in the past, maybe even in your saved life, for um, ill-gotten gains, for occult practices, for okay. the sex industry to pay for pornography, even prostitutes. Um, or I don't know why, but I'm getting a picture of somebody um, – you didn't pay your child support so that you could impress a girlfriend. Oh, and wow. um, those are all things that um, because there has not been a confessed repentance of and coming out of an agreement with the spirit of mammon and sorcery uh, and, and lust, there is a case that, the enemy is holding over you to keep your finances blocked. Wow. Um, and so I'm just going to invite you to just pray this with me. Mm -hmm. And uh, so, Lord, I renounce uh, any way that I have used my, my finances 
for sin. I come out of agreement with the spirits that were involved in those ungodly transactions. I break them off of my life right now in the name of Jesus. God, your blood, the blood of Jesus, pleads a better word. I ask that you would render a judgment according to the blood. And I ask for a sevenfold recompense for all that has been stolen from me. In Jesus' name. And then I'm just praying this for you. God, wherever there has been a brass ceiling, wherever, whoa, wherever the enemy, a Canaanite spirit, or a Philistine spirit has been coming to plunder the harvest of your people. We break it off in the name of Jesus. I break off a spirit of poverty in Jesus' name. Wow. The Lord says finance is going to feed addictions also um, can hinder. And fear, the big one is fear. Wow. I just heard the Lord say some of you need to come out of agreement with the spirit of struggle Ooh. and the spirit of hustle. Wow. Um, that that is actually, that's not godly. Um, we're to enter into his rest. And now rest is not, you know, a cease from all activity, but that we're not to be literally busting our butts as if we're, you know, working for a slave driver just to pay our bills. I see a couple, you have um, a lot, a lot of debt, a lot of debt. And you've been believing for, for God to cancel your debt. But you've been living grossly out of your means. Mm. And part of that has been because, and I'm just going to say it, your husband's insecurity. And the Lord is actually going to call you in this season to begin to release and to sell and to downsize. Because God wants to bring your family into kingdom identity. He wants you to know who you are without all the, the stuff. When you remove the boat, when you take away, you know, the sports car and all this, who are you really? And, and I believe, too, that it's not that, that it's just for a season and that God is going to give uh, wisdom and, and uh, business strategy. That some of that money that you're going to receive 
is going to go into a startup, like a business, an entrepreneurial startup of some kind that God is going to richly bless and increase. And so I feel the Lord say that although you might need to decrease for a season, God is going to bring it right back around to greatly increase you and prosper you later, and but more so in, in your soul. He wants you to prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And there has been this empty place in you that you have been trying to fill with the wealth and the, the things of the world. Um, and it's just left you empty. And he wants to fill that with himself. And so is, there's this invitation to release all of that to find who you really are. And as you find who you really are, you're going to watch as everything around you begins to prosper. Everything around you begins to multiply. And um, not only that, but you are, you are going to multiply disciples in this new startup that God is actually, yeah, I feel the fire of God all over all of this. Mm -hmm. Um, that this is the threshing floor season where he is going to remove the, the chaff from the, the true grain. And, you know, when you do that, when you go to the threshing floor and the grain goes to the threshing floor, that grain is then taken and it's turned into what flour it's beat down to the lowest, to the smallest thing, to the most humble thing. But what do you make out of flour bread? And when you get to that place, you become a sustenance that begins to, that can feed the nations. And, and I'm, God is taking me to the, um, the parable of the loaves and the fishes where the, it never ran out. The Lord is saying that if you will go low, if you will allow yourself to become like Jesus, that ground up, you know, flour. He's going to turn you into bread that will then feed the nations. And, and what the nations need from you will never run out. There will be a continuous supply. Hallelujah. I receive that mm. word for myself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's somebody, there's somebody who works at Del Taco and um, you've been feeling very dissatisfied with your life um, and where things are going. And you have, you really struggle with your appearance. Like you, you're very casual. You love to be casual. And so Del Taco is the perfect place for you, but God is actually calling you. There's a Chase bank near you and you're actually supposed to go apply to Chase bank. Now guys, I know JP Morgan chase. Don't at me about all oh, JP Morgan is that you blah, blah, blah. I'm just telling you what the Lord said. Okay. And I believe there's a lot of these mega, mega things that God wants to turn around anyways. So um it's gonna be a chase i know that whoever this person is i know you're hearing me and going oh man chase bank like it's intimidating right i get it i've been there i know what that feels like but god is actually the areas that you're wanting to grow in applying for this place and getting the job to this place actually are going to stretch you in huge ways because god is actually going to unlock something within you that you thought was completely like there's no way that you could ever have these skill sets. There's no way you could ever excel in these certain ways. But 
through do, through this job, God's going to open some amazing doors for you. Okay. And mm -hmm. I know Del Taco and Chase Bank, it means you're going to have to dress up. It's going to mean you're going to have to, but going through this process is going to make you into the person you've always seen in your heart that you were. Come and on. that God's going to do some amazing things through this. So take that step of faith, go apply for Chase Bank. Okay. Go just be obedient in that. And God is going to open up some amazing doors. Okay. So there you go. Yeah. You're also going to be a light in that place. And um, that God is actually that you're just going to be a walking testimony. I just see that you're going to, you're somebody that likes to talk. You have the gift of, of gab, mm -hmm. if you will. And you're going to be a join the witness. club. <laughs> yeah. 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 You're going to be a real witness. So I also saw that I just heard the Lord. What I mean, I saw the widow's might. So I saw the a penny. And for some of us, this is something that I've been doing. Every time I find change on the ground, instead of walking past it, I've actually been intentional to bend over and pick it up and then say, thank you, God. Even if it's a penny, thank you, God, that you brought this increase into my life, right? And so I think for some of you with the very little that you have, just beginning with, God, I thank you for this. I thank you for this, that you, this increase that you've brought into my life. And then for others of you who are, you're desiring that increase, God's given you a word, you know that you're supposed to feed the nations, you know of these things. I, I see the Lord. And he's looking over you like that child with the fish and the loaves. And he's saying, honey, what's in your hand? What's in your hand? Because whatever is in your hand, I can multiply. You know, for some of you, I see a lady, you feel like you're called to feed the homeless. And I see you going out on in your um, city square somewhere. It's a cute little town. I don't think it's like a metropolis. It's like it's a cute rural town somewhere. Um, and I know it's out West. I keep feeling like California, um, somewhere and, but it's not like LA. Okay. Like it's mm -hmm. out there, but I see you going out with a group of people, just mamas on the corner and you've got a big pot of chili and you're like, I know I can make chili and this is what I have. This is what I have. And I literally see you going and feeding the homeless and your chili supernaturally not running out. I've seen this happen uh, when we've done the same thing. Um, and then I also see miracles like you wanting to buy hats and gloves and clothes for the homeless. And you literally not, I, this is for a single mom is what I see. And you literally do not have money in your bank account to buy these things. And I see you taking your debit card and I see you blowing on it. I've had this happen to me that this has happened to me. This is what God has told me to do to breathe resurrection life on my bank account. He told me to do it on my, my empty uh, salon book, my appointment book. Two weeks later, I was filled front to back for weeks after having nothing. Sometimes in order to see the miraculous, you have to do the ridiculous. Okay. But I see you blowing on your debit card and I see you walking into like a Dollar Tree and buying the things that you need and then walking out, checking your bank account and having the same amount of money or more money in there than you originally had. God, I, I see God doing crazy miracles this way. 
And um, so that's another thing, guys. The bank account does not necessarily reflect the wealth that is available to you in the kingdom. And you need to know that too. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, there's somebody who uh, you make, you have like a really beautiful garden. You also have these like flower box um, things or like boxes that you build and you could put vegetables in them and stuff like that, plant vegetables. Um, and you've got a lot of compliments. God actually wants you to open up a business that helps other people do that, create those same things. So begin looking into that avenue um, and God's going to open those doors and he's going to confirm to you kind of the right route to take. And he's going to introduce you to someone who's going to really help you with this as well. But yeah, it's like these flower box things, kind of those ones you, so you can like walk in between them and stuff. Um, and you have this like really immaculate garden. So God actually really wants, he loves that about you. He loves that you tend to his creation, that he t you tend to nature. Um, and so he wants to actually help you. Uh, he wants to help you help other people do that as well. So. Oh, that's cool. Mm -hmm. I want that. I, yeah. I, drown, I drown cactus. So um, I'm, I'm going to plant a garden though when I'm, when I get some land. So maybe get a chicken or two. We'll see how that works out. Yeah. Um, for anyone who's asking, well, where is that in the Bible in regards to blowing on a debit card? Well, one, there was no debit cards in the Bible. And two, um, the Bible actually does say, uh, it says, I suppose, I believe this was John. I suppose that if all the miracles, all the accounts, all the, all the acts of Jesus were written down in a book that there would not be room on earth to hold the volumes. So there are tons of miracles enough that could literally fill the world that are not recorded in our Bible that Jesus performed. And Jesus made this statement. He said that it was better for him to go so that we could receive the Holy Spirit. And he said that you even greater works than I have done, you will done, you will do. And so just because we might not necessarily find it in scripture doesn't mean that God isn't able to do it. When scripture clearly states that there were things that Jesus did, miracles that he performed that were not mentioned in the Bible. So just throwing that out there. Mm, yeah. Amen. Amen. Okay. Krista, this was a great, this is great. We went for two hours. We went for My goodness. Two hours. Yeah. There's just great. so much in there. You could probably turn this into two episodes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we could. There was a lot. There's a lot of things we could have like taken in a bunch of different directions too. Um, so, uh, okay. Um, how can people follow you and what you're doing? Most people know, but some people don't. Yeah. Well, you can find me on Facebook, but the best way to find all of my channels is by going to my website, KristaElish.com, just like my name is spelled. And on the homepage, you'll find my links to my YouTube, links to my Facebook, links to my Rumble, links to my Instagram, links to my podcast, which I don't have a whole lot of episodes of, but I have some, and um, all the different ways that our ministry is actually impacting culture uh, to ignite sustainable revival across the nation and to restore family. So, mm. yeah. Awesome. Very cool. Very cool. 
Um, all right. On that note, everybody, have an, have an amazing, amazing Wednesday. Um, I'm stoked for, uh, stoked for Friday. Just a reminder to everybody that it is an hour later. It is at 3 p.m. Pacific time, 6 p.m. Eastern time. We're getting Costin Woodhouse, Mandy Woodhouse's husband. It's going to be great. Um, and we're going to be talking all about biblical literacy and all that good stuff. It's going to be a great episode. Again, one hour later than normal. We'll put a reminder on the socials as well. We love you guys. And we will see you on Friday at 3 p.m. Pacific time, 6 p.m. Eastern time. Love you guys. Bye. This has been Elijah Fire. Thanks for listening. For more episodes like this, you can check out the Elijah Fire podcast on ElijahFire.com, on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can watch us live every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific time on YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook. Elijah Fire is presented by Elijah Streams and is part of Elijah List Ministries. Click the link in the description for more info on how you can donate today.